0: Am I going to start or should we just keep whittling on?
1: Yeah, well, you keep
2: talking, so. Right, Nick and me, shut up.
1: Yeah, shut up. Uh, Okay, actually, I just need to (laughs) spell the bottom of my notes. (laughs) Jesus, my. Welcome to episode 31 of the Digimaster's podcast, a podcast about music by two people who know nothing about music and another person who knows a little bit about music. Thank you. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're joined by Nick, who I, I would say knows a little about music. Okay, thank you. Uh, and Fran, who knows nothing.
2: What? Excellent. What, because he can play guitar?
1: Excellent. Yeah. Well, we both have guitars, but... I,
2: I I learned the violin when I was six, mate.
1: Yeah, how's you that mastered training? it
2: completely. <laughs> Yeah, well, I sold it to someone who turned it into an electronic guitar, uh, electronic violin and then, uh, and then, yeah, never saw it again. Wow. But that was it.
0: That's because you'd already defeated the, the instrument, in not it, basically? Yeah. You'd yeah. done so good that there was nothing left to learn. I mean, it's... Yeah. Wow. You just anyway. play
1: it in your head. Should we move on from that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so <laughs> we're back again to talk about some albums. Um, this week or this month, we're talking about... Um, Six different albums, and um, these are EOB with the album Earth, The Strokes with the album The New Abnormal, Rina Sawayama with Sawayama, Fiona Apple with Fetch the Bolt Cutters, and then we have a classic album, uh, Yoko Ono with Plastic Ono Band, and then I'll be telling you why I love Jay Z, and we're specifically going to be talking about the album The Blueprint. Um, and so as always we're going to start with some esoteric questions and the first one is i'm going to throw at nick is what album would your teenage self be most into
0: not that it was a boring question, but I actually dozed off in the process of you talking then. I nearly forgot to, to respond when you said that. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sorry, I don't
1: want to be rude or anything. I have, but. I have a very serious so, I mean, that was
2: ruder than just answering the question and not telling him that you almost dozed <laughs> off. So you say That's you didn't want to be rude,
1: but you were just rude. <laughs> that
0: is true, I do. Yeah. I apologise. Yeah. So um, this was a really difficult question I found uh, because when I was a teenager, I was basically into metal uh, and or grunge so, and hardcore and stuff. So I didn't really find any of these fit the bill at all um if i had to push myself i suppose i'd go with fiona apple uh, fetch the bolt cutters um this album was a real grower for me it took quite a while though for me to get into it i know it's been massively acclaimed across the board from everyone and their mum um but I think uh, it it is worth the time once you get through uh, the initial sort of first few listens. And I'll explain about what the problem is in a minute. But first of all, I'll say the great thing is the absolutely immense lyricism. I mean, it's it's just a fantastic lyrical basis for all the tracks. Very elemental, I would say. Very kind of like a basic discourse, but really, really profound and moving uh, and personal um, And, I mean, uh, there's so many things you could quote from me. I'll I'll quote uh, from Fetch the Bolt Cutters. I grew up with the shoes they told me I could fill. When they came round, I would stand real still. A girl can roll her eyes at me and kill. I got the idea I wasn't real. I thought being backlisted would be grist for the mill. I mean, it's really, really profound, but it's such a simple, basic discourse, as I say. So I I absolutely love that, and that's consistent all the way through the album. It's it's very, very strong. Um, The production is often very... um, kind of small scale, um, which uh, I find kind of interesting as well. In and that, In that sense, I suppose, if you look at my, listen to my late teens, I suppose I was into like lo-fi and stuff, the small production would kind of fit. Um, but the one thing that didn't really work brilliantly for me was I found it quite percussively awkward and stilted in quite a lot of cases, um, particularly the opening couple of songs, two or three songs, where I felt like it was really jarringly... Um, broken down the way the beats sort of worked and the drums and those elements worked through the songs so i found it i mean i'm I'm not against that in principle but i found it to the point where it was distracting me from the lyrics which is a pity because the lyrics are so good so um i also i'll say more about it in a minute but because there's another album that i think it's kind of really interestingly mirrors um but we'll talk about that one later on so so basically i would say um definitely not a 10 which is what pitchfork gave it wasn't it but really really good um definitely no surprise it's done so well um and yeah i'll I'll definitely go back to
1: it cool go on fran what do you reckon okay
2: well you you ended by talking about the pitchfork score which is that's where i wanted to start really um kind of wanted to address you know they gave it a 10 out of 10 perfect score and uh, that's why i chose it for this playlist really because it's not often you see that and it's really interesting for me that this got a perfect score because, for me, the thing that makes it so fascinating and involving is how imperfect it is as an album. Mm. Um, so I've always kind of thought of Fiona Rappel, what I've heard before, is like decent, enjoyable music, but quite polished and slick. And, theref- and therefore, for me, quite often it's felt a bit soulless, really. Um, while this album feels like something that's kind of just a bit thrown out there. It's very warts and all in the lyrics, and, and it felt... Like some of what Nick was just saying, like the instrumentation is quite thrown together. Um, But I think it's so much better than her previous work for this. Um, I think it's such a raw, powerful piece of work. Um, I think her lyrics and delivery throughout are just so emotive. And I know it's been released during lockdown. I don't think it was recorded during lockdown, but it feels like a lockdown album in a way. Um, Like there's dogs barking in there, there's cats meowing, there's pots and pans being used as instrumentation but it just all melds together really well and really interestingly. So I think it kind of creates this really open sort of freeing vibe um, to the album, which I was really into. Um, I'm not too bothered about the first track, but I think after that, the run of Shamika to Relay is really, really, really strong. Um, and the title song in the middle of that is is probably the standout of the album. Um, and then there's Under the Table, which comes in that run as well, which um, I think is the song where she kind of establishes the um, the powerful message of the album. And then I think that message is hammered home later on on another song, Heavy Balloon, which is just so aggressive and angry. I really love that song. Um, and yeah, and then another thing that I loved about it really is despite all the important messages and the feminism and the, and the really opening up is some of it just really sounds really fun, songs like Cosmonaut. And then I suppose my final point is how she sometimes brings those two elements together. So the song for her is the best example. It starts with a really jaunty sort of inviting beat. It sounds really fun. Um, and if you're not paying attention to the word, it just sounds like, a you know, an enjoyable song. And then there's the breakdown where she starts to sing about a husband raping her in the bed that her daughter was born in. I think that's just the most powerful part of the album. I think it's really well put together. So, yeah, I thought this was an absolutely amazing album, um, but not a perfect album but I think that's what made it so good, is that it is quite imperfect and quite messy.
0: But I thought it was great. So in that sense, you might give it a 10, but not for the reasons they gave it a 10. Is that what you're saying?
2: Well, I don't know if I'd give it a 10, because I, think, I don't think I could think of an album, really. I mean, maybe in Rainbows. But Even that, I don't think I'd give a 10. So I think giving it a 10 is ridiculous. Um,
1: What's the point of having a 10 if you're not going to give it to anyone? Well, I,
2: how can you give a, how can you give a 10 to anything? Like, what, what album is so perfect that it gets a 10? My favourite album of all time in Rainbows or the Nationals Boxer, neither of them are perfect. They've oh. both got things that I would maybe change slightly. Um, this is not a perfect album, but it's a fucking fascinating album and it's a really, really good album. Mm. But there's no way it's – like, there's there's songs that I don't love and there's bits that are – sort of left in where maybe they shouldn't be and stuff like that, but that's what makes it really interesting for her, I think, because in the past she has seemed very polished. So, yeah, mm. perfect tens a load of bollocks. Fair enough.
0: So we don't do scores on this podcast, I guess. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, we don't do uh, scores on the website reviews either, do we? Because scores are ridiculous. Like, what's 8.3 for an album and what's 8.4? What's the difference between those two? Yeah,
1: yeah I can see that. I can see that. Yeah.
2: Anyway, Matt, before we argue about scores, tell us what you thought of the album, Matt.
1: Um, I I really love this album. I think it's going to be pretty, pretty much the same kind of comments as you guys. Um, I, I guess I, I'd only listened to Tidal before this, which we covered on the podcast. I hadn't That didn't spur me to listen to anything else because I really didn't like it. And so I was pretty skeptical. And then even with the first track, um, it sounded like more of the same. Mm. Um, but then the outro got really weird. And then I became interested. And then Shamika was just yes. like, there's so much... Like frenetic uh, piano playing, it's kind of jarring and it's weird, and it just barrels forward in this kind of madcap way. Um, it really kind of dragged me in, and then yeah, as you mentioned, those next run of tracks are just like amazing. Mm-hmm. I think I think the thing that um, actually Nick mentioned about the percussive, the, like the percussive stuff, is what actually I really liked about the album. I think the way that she used percussion actually. Like the, we talked about lyrics uh, last time, and how I'm like on the fence about <laughs> how what much about how, I'm, yeah, how, how can you this out if you Don't really care about lyrics. That's unbelievable. Um, isn't it? But, but well, I, the thing is, I do like lyrics. It's just they're not the first thing that grabs me. Um, but like you were saying, these were, uh, lyrics were so accessible and and so well done that I couldn't help but be drawn into them. And then I think that's accompanied by the, the the percussion in which I felt like she was using the percussion to mirror what she was saying in a really mm. interesting way. Like um, in Fetch the Bolt Cutters, it's very feels oppressive, and um, it feels uh, like she is trying to break free with all like her layering of voices, um, it's all just very disorienting. Um, and I think that is the whole point. I think it's purposeful and then you can have something like relay and you have this almost clicking noise for the percussion um, and it feels I, like I'm, a... I'm with
2: you on that Matt I totally agree I think it's that that's what makes it really interesting in some ways is the percussion is so haphazard and and deliberate I think so yeah I'm I'm with Matt on that one I just yeah. felt like it was
0: yeah. I just felt as I said like it was actually distracting at, the, at a certain point which from what the core message which is which is unfortunate but I didn't hate it but that part of it I mean but it was mm. a bit irritating Same. sometimes
1: yeah, I think it just adds... It's uh, For me, it adds an extra layer to the message, which, uh, yeah, all in all, I thought it was super, super impressive. Um, and I think it completely changed my uh, opinion of her um, and makes me actually want to listen to some of her other work, which, for better or worse, I don't know if this is a unique album in her...
2: I believe I that it cannot. is from what I've read and what I've heard. I think this is kind of um, quite different to what she's done before, um, you know, in terms of its openness, its its lyricism, I think everything. I think in general she's usually a lot more polished than this. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to dig back a little bit. I've listened to two other albums, uh, which is Tidal and the one with the ridiculously long title about an Id- idler wheel. It goes on for about 400 yeah. words. Um, yeah not really a big fan I did, I liked both of them I thought they were both okay but n- neither of them inspired me to sort of spend any time going back back to them and going back to other albums whereas this one was yeah super.
1: yeah well maybe I'll just stick with this one and and, mm-hmm. and save it so um, so a
0: 9.7 then Matt is that what you're saying? oh I don't know <laughs> I'm going to score think, it out of 5 and I'll give it a 4.2 <laughs> I think you can't you
1: can't you can't do a you can't do a score until it's been a couple years i'm gonna go with three and a half squared three
2: and, yeah. and a half squared yeah that's pretty four, much ten. Four biscuits i'll give it <laughs> all right What's cool next? and so
1: that was actually going to be my answer to what the uh Franz question is ah, um, cool, okay. which is which album is most likely to stick with you until you're an old man
2: so the album that is most likely to stick with me until I'm an old man is Fiona Apple with Fetch the Bolt Butters. Um, <laughs> and it is, and I'm afraid I'd, I can't give you another answer for that question because there's no way any of the other albums will stick with me until I'm an old man. Um, do you want to give me another question or do you want me to just talk about my next favourite album? Yeah,
1: pick your next favorite. What about, can you answer Nick's question? What's uh, What was yeah. Nick's question? Which was my teen, teen self.
0: Yeah, your teenage self. <laughs>
1: Fiona Apple, Fetch the Bolt Cutters?
2: Oh, my God. Um, so Probably. I
0: need
2: to write, yeah. uh, you know what. Probably, actually, I will go with EOBs uh, for that question. Um, yeah, I will. That makes sense to me. Um, but, yeah, because I think some of it is I, – I loved Radiohead when I was a teenager, and Ed's kind of the Mr. Reliable of Radiohead. He's the sort of guy who's always been into the guitar music side of things, and I think you can see that in this album um but so yeah probably the influences that he puts into this album is similar to stuff I would listen to as a teenager so yeah probably this one but honestly first of all I just I found it quite a bizarre record and I'm still not totally certain what I think of it after more than a a month of listening I think you know as I just said he's the Mr. Reliable of Radiohead he does the guitar and the backing vocals and he's always had the same role with the band all the way through and I think that shows in this this first solo album, because um, I think it mixes some of Radiohead's ideas. You know, it's kind of experimental. It mixes a few different genres. But then in other ways, it's kind of more traditional rock sounding. Um, and that is why I find it a bit strange in the end. It feels like someone who wanted to do their own thing away from the band, but wasn't exactly sure what that thing was kind of found the album a little bit like a mood board of ideas for what his sound should be rather than being a totally coherent album um and i'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing i don't think it is i think there are some good songs here i think the album opens well i I like shangri la i think it's a really fun light-hearted uplifting song and i think it really opens by setting ed apart from radiohead i think brazil the following song is good um probably the most interesting song in terms of development, like it really switches up halfway through. Um, I think those and the Laura Marland de- de- uh, duet at the end are probably my favorite songs, uh, but then songs like Deep Days and Banksters, I thought kind of ruined the flow of the album. Um, so yeah, I don't think it's something I regularly return to, um, But as a teenager, I probably would have been more into this than any of the other albums on this list, I think. Um, and I do admire Ed for, you know, at this stage of his career, like Radiohead had nine albums in, and he doesn't need to do his own thing, but he's put something out that is, is pretty interesting and doesn't really sound very much like Radiohead at all. So I think, yeah, it's it's an interesting album, but I, I can't imagine going back to it loads.
1: Cool. I'm going to I'm gonna dive in there and say um, I agree with some of what Fran said, but... There are several songs on here which just feel like Radiohead songs. Um, I think you said that Shangri-La... Nothing like them, radio it's nothing like Radiohead, any of it. Maybe. Shangri- Shangri-La sets them apart, but it just sounds sounds like Radiohead. With it the sounds way,
2: nothing like Radiohead. Anyway, carry on, but...
0: Yeah, it, do, it does, it does. It, it sounds, doesn't sound... Shout him down. Come on, don't name Sweet. It doesn't.
1: It's nonsense. <laughs> it's, it's almost like... It's not as good as Radiohead. Um, it feels like a part of Radiohead, but it feels like i don't know maybe he made a demo that's going to be contributed to the next album and then everyone else is going to take it apart and build it back together um and this was maybe a seed point for that um which to me makes sense um but i think i totally get what you say about it It does feel like he has an idea for several projects and Mm. he just doesn't know what his identity is um he has this like folky side project. He's like that synthie electronic side project, yeah. and then more Radiohead stuff. Um, I would really want him to do the more synthie stuff. Like Brazil is really really cool. Uh, I think uh, you mentioned that one as your highlight, um, yeah. And it's, I think it's definitely the strongest song on there. Um, but all in all, I I like yeah. It was weirdly incoherent but at the same time it just felt even the folky stuff because he he sings so like softly Mm. it all felt like a weirdly ambient atmospheric album um but because of that it just felt very although it was kind of relaxing to listen to it felt very passive as a a whole thing Mm -hmm. um so i think i have similar medium feelings about this
2: Yeah, it doesn't sound like Radiohead, though, but I agree with most of what you said after that. (laughs) The only question, though, is does it
0: sound like Radiohead? That's the question I was going to ask you. Um,
2: No, it doesn't sound like Radiohead. (laughs)
1: Let's see what Nick thinks. Yeah,
2: so
0: I'll jump in. So, um, yeah, I'm glad we picked this one right after the Fiona Apple, because this is the other one I was going to refer to as being like a mirror, because I feel like it's musically decent, musically solid, but very, very weak lyrically, and, and really kind of missing out on a lot of that. And it has this... I mean, you you described it as something like relaxing or something, man. I think that's that's probably quite a bad criticism. But in general, I think it's <laughs> I think in general, it's it, that sort of fits. You know, that it is it is very clean and straight laced and and kind of reliable, as as Fran said. Um, but lyrically, it, it's it's got some shocking, shockingly juvenile stuff in it. Like not juvenile, that's a bit harsh. Shockingly simple stuff in it. So, for example, Olympic. Here's a lyric from Olympic. Somebody will, somebody won't, somebody do, and somebody don't. I have cried a thousand times just to see what's on your mind. I could go on, but it's just not... Very, poetry. It's not poetry. <laughs> well, maybe it's poetry, it's just terrible poetry. So, um, yeah, so I was really disappointed with that side of it, and I just felt like it, it gave the impression that you didn't have a lot to say, really. Um, and I think that's the, you know, I can see both sides of argue argument about whether it's like ready right It's not like... Radiohead in, in anything that's good about Radiohead is is very much like a watered-down version of what Radiohead gets to sometimes when they put in a lot of work to sort of work it up. So I like Matt's analogy that it might be a demo that then they would sort of begin work on, you know? Um, so another one would be a Deep Days, um, which is shockingly uh, shallow. Oh, you see, you see what I did there? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> where Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Where you sleep, I will sleep. And when you rise... Can anyone guess? I will rise. Yeah, well done. <laughs> um, so that that again, it just just seems really tired and, and just not that not that exciting. And certainly, Tom just leaves him in the dust on anything along those lines with lyrics.
2: So that was a pity. There were some songs I like more. I than mean, it's others. big to compare him to Tom, though. It's like you know, yeah, yeah I realize just because he's in the same band as Tom, I think it's hard well, it's... for. Tom yeah, York's logical, leave everyone in the everyone in the dust, don't yeah, it's, it, really. a, it's a logical
0: so. connection, though, that he's in the same yeah. band and he is trying to strike out on his own. I mean, you can't expect that he's not going to be
1: compared to Radiohead in in this work. I mean, there's just yeah, no yeah. way. So, yeah, um, he's yeah, also so, he's got to experience that firsthand as well, so he gets to learn from from the master, as it were. <laughs> and he's yeah. not taken any of those lessons. <laughs> <laughs> I think mean,
0: that's harsh, but yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I mean it's, it does seem like he was you could tell that he was the bit that's that's like Radiohead is the bit where it feels like you could tell he was the 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 kind of bass underlying structural sort of guitar work for some Radiohead songs without any of the bells and whistles and without the subtlety, you know. So again, I feel like I'm coming across worse than about it than I, I intended to. I will say there are some songs I I liked, like Mass, for example, I I quite like that one. It has a really nice, overdriven uh, kind of acoustics and vox airy, airy vox and sorry and, and, and um, acoustic uh, sorry and, and uh, acoustic guitar none of us know what you're talking about totally anyway, garbled, so there's no point so. correcting yourself we don't <laughs> we don't know what you need anyway yeah there's some nice noises I'll just put it that way shall yeah, I yeah some good um, noises on it yeah so uh, yeah so mass is the, is the high point in the album in my opinion but uh, otherwise I just kept feeling like it was just very tired and that wasn't that wasn't exciting so yeah now I'm disappointed
1: well that's a good counterbalancer for Fiona Apple it's <laughs> exactly. um, yeah and it you see what so I mean I,
0: about, about it being like that and it just
2: does it no. the difference yeah the mirroring yeah just it, is, like it's, it is it's the absolute exactly antithesis what of what Fiona Apple's saying so yeah
1: yeah I'm just disagreeing um, for
2: the point of it now really to um, be
0: honest <laughs> what a surprise
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna talk now about the one my teenage self would definitely be into okay um, which is without a doubt the strokes because I was obsessed with the strokes and so anything made by them I would have been into um, and so uh, Since since obviously uh, They started I kind of fell off the bandwagon um, A couple albums ago um, But like putting this on for the first time And hearing that first riff It just, I don't know It sounded like the strokes instantly If Even if I didn't know That this was uh, the Like the artist it, There's something about the way that Albert Hammer Jr. has his guitar tone or the way he plays um Fisher price. sounds like them fisher did you say fisher price
2: yeah it's like <laughs> a fisher price guitar anyway carry on <laughs> that's, sure. that's really the comment of the
0: review of the whole podcast yeah. that's brilliant sorry carry um, on um
1: which i don't know i think it's interesting considering they sparked all these different copycat bands and the next like decade was full of these uh indie bands emulating them and still they sound so um specifically them um and still like also julian casablanca's his voice still sounds uh pretty amazing i think he still sounds super cool um but that's probably my inbuilt biases on that um but all in all i thought this album was actually just a bit of a slog it was I wasn't expecting that to come out (laughs) of you yeah this is great but it's (laughs) a song the first the first song it just was like it was so reminiscent and it brought back so many like memories of listening to their first album and then I just realised it felt like I was (laughs) listening to them on like 0.8x speed I just they just were slow they like bite they just um seemed like they were going through the motions essentially um And I just, like, their whole point was this kind of urgency and this, uh, like, guitar interplay and the the fact that it almost felt like they were, uh, just couldn't get the music out of themselves quick enough. Um, And this just, this didn't feel like that at all. Um, I think they did try and do something a little bit different. With their like more synthy 80s pop vibe, but I don't know. I think I don't know if you've listened any of you have listened to The Voids, which is uh, Julian Casablanca's side project. Um, I know,
0: I don't yeah. know it at all. Though. I know the name, but that's it.
1: And they like in that they really uh, double down on like the synth, synth wave vibe and really go for it. Um, and so it doesn't feel like I don't know, it doesn't feel as meek um mm-hmm. it feels like they've really bought in and so this just made me want to actually just listen to that as opposed to this And huh. um, so for me it was yeah just kind of disappointing and just maybe want to just go listen to other albums as opposed to this <laughs> album <laughs> it's always a good <laughs> an album, oh, album that's yeah. exactly what they yeah. want <laughs> <laughs> who's going um, who wants to go i'll go you go um yeah,
0: yeah so uh I was aware and into for a few weeks, the first album, uh, what's it called? The, is, this, is, is it. This, this it? Is, this, this is it. Is this it? Yeah. And, um, you know, I remember thinking that was going to be quite an important sort of record in terms of the movement of loads of bands that came out following it. Uh, after that, I really lost interest because I felt like they were, uh, really didn't change the record, you know, really just kind of kept it going with the same kind of stuff. And I'm, uh, Consistency-wise, I'm happy to report that this album is exactly like I expected it to be. It's completely formulaic almost all the way through. It's just the first song, as, as Matt pointed out, sounds just like it came off that first album. Maybe slightly slower, but generally very, very consistently consistent with that first album, which was which I think it was gotta be 20 years ago or nearly 20 years ago, isn't it? I mean, yeah, 2001. Ago. There you go. Yeah, so nearly 20 years ago, and they're releasing music that sounds like it could be off that album, almost identical. Um, and there 's just so so dull to go through this same process there 's the, of the kind of it 's all very square and regular it 's all the little tinny guitar that he plays, which I, I like Fran's reference to to what that sounded like, but it, it is a very sort of thin sound, and i don 't mind it just it just gets really old it just gets so old and If you listen to the album through from start to finish, I think you get five tracks in eternal summer before you hear anything oh. that 's different from <laughs> from the others i mean to me it 's really
2: really
1: bad.
0: I'm not, yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying I love that song, but at least that song is has some change to it from the others, which sounds so yeah. generically. Uh, strokes, you know. So, so I, I just really feel like they're overstaying. Their quality is massively overstayed. Their reputation is massively overstated. Obviously, their most famous disciple is uh, is the Arctic Monkeys, and I know he's actually referenced them in specifically in his last uh, atrocious album. Um, but uh, I can see the connection in terms of the sort of playful nature of the way they talk and stuff and some of the stories they tell. But Arctic Monkeys leave this band behind and have done from day one. And lyrically, I mean, musically they do so. Lyrically, I mean, it's just almost hilarious to think that the arctics think of themselves somehow following the footsteps of the Strokes. I mean, that's just not a fair comparison. So they also get the most lumbering solo award for Not the Same Anymore, which is, I mean just so tedious uh, it, it's a lo-fi solo which I'm fine with but it's just so melodically dull it just, seemed, they just, it just seems to fall asleep while, he, while he's playing it you know so, so yeah I, I pretty much hated this album and did it and I ex- expected to hate it and ultimately you know for better or worse I was proven correct
1: yeah. Why did you pick it? Yeah,
0: why did you pick it? <laughs> because there was a lot of people talking about it, and I, I mean, I still hold to the idea that obviously I picked these up blind. I just picked it because I knew it was coming out, and it was. It's not blind of because it's the Strokes, so you knew what it was going to sound like. <laughs> well, I was hoping they'd reinvented themselves, but no, they mm. did. They certainly did not. Yeah.
2: Okay. So me,
0: um, friends gonna love it now. Friends gonna be. Like, I mean, I was, I was <laughs> really hoping, hoping
2: that there going to be some counterpoints to my argument because you know, look, I, I hate the Strokes. Um, You've always I've, hated them. I've, yeah. I've always, always hated it. them, you know, and sure. I've made that clear yeah. regularly um, on during our you know our Twitter tournaments, and every time anyone mentions the Strokes, I make it clear that I do not understand this band. But putting that aside, I wanted to go into this with an open mind. I wanted to try and view this as its own product rather than just another bloody Strokes record. <laughs> I mean, it was called the new abnormal, so maybe they were going to do something new that would blow me away. And then I listen to the opening song, the Fisher Price one, the Adults Are Talking, and it just has every single element that make this band the most jab, drab, generic thing since White <laughs> Toast, all rolled up in one song. Straight away, so fucking bland, so uninteresting, so unoriginal. And then you go to Selfless, the second song, and Casablanca's just drones another dull, predictable melody predictable keyboard line and the same exact percussion progression as the previous song. And if there's a more weaker bog standard song start to a song in the beginning of Brooklyn Bridge to Chorus, then I'm yet to hear it. This song sounds like it was made for the American Pie reunion soundtrack. It's fucking awful. And um, I haven't got time to lay into every song in the way I would like to hear. So I'm just going to stop at the next one. But the next song is Bad Decisions. This might be the most annoying song I've heard yet in 2020 how a band that made a chorus this drab can be considered anything more than a dire cover band of bad 80s music, I don't know. It's making bad decisions, making bad decisions, making bad decisions, making bad decisions. They just need to fuck off, really. Um, And ironically, I heard that this song, Bad Decisions, was so generic and copycat that they had to give a writing credit to Billy Idol, because (laughs) it sounds so much like previous stuff that they had to fucking credit Billy Idol for it so that just sums it up right Um, there isn't a single moment on this album when I felt anything other than bored they've always been a bad band but this is embarrassing how they've made a career out of one sound that isn't even an interesting sound I don't know this album just is terrible that's me for the strokes (laughs) in a past
0: life I actually uh, met the bass player when he did his solo project talking about EOB we did his solo project and it was Mm. I'll be honest, quite a bit worse than The Strokes. What? Yeah. Really? It well, really I, never listened to me I met Russians. him before he went on stage, and I was like, because I was reviewing it for, for another site he used to work for, and he, I was like, oh, this is, you know, good luck, hope it goes well, and all this, <laughs> and then afterwards I was like trying to hide out in the back so he wouldn't see I was still there, because yeah. <laughs> it was so bad.
2: <laughs> anyway, yeah, I mean there's nothing more to say about it. I mean I, I'm surprised though I was hoping that one of you would love it just to give it a bit of balance um, oh it's bad that got worse and worse that was quite interesting they it got... were
1: it's a poor even like I get the 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 first like their style and the first album isn't necessarily for everyone because it, it really hit a, a kind of niche um but this was just even a pale impression of themselves so like I don't what, get what's the, what's the point
2: yeah. I don't get the first up, but anyway, that, we're not here to talk about the first Yeah, we time.
1: know that. Yeah, we, we, heard, heard, that one. we heard, heard that
2: one. Yeah. I don't get it.
0: Message received. <laughs> yeah.
2: Did I tell you I hate the stroke?
0: Yeah. <laughs> the amazing thing is, this is not, by some distance, the worst album on this list. But anyway, a Oh, it vibe, was. It? Oh, yeah, no, it was. Oh, no. Yeah. Anyway, what's next? What's next, Matt?
1: Um, well, do you want to talk about... Well, I don't necessarily want to talk about the worst album.
0: Okay, go for something positive so, then.
1: I'm going to talk about um, Sawayama because okay. I don't think this is the worst album. I actually really enjoyed this album and I found it a very kind of sharp shock after listening to The Strikes um, because it was very purposeful and I think it was really full of ideas. I thought it was really interesting. I couldn't believe this was someone's uh, debut album because it seems like um, they knew exactly kind of what they wanted um, whether you like it or not and they managed to I think successfully blend these different genres that I never thought would actually fit together it just felt like all of the late 90s music just <laughs> jammed into one uh,
2: this is, I mean I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying what I feel about this album but to say that it felt like an album where they knew what they wanted I think is is, is mental um, well,
1: no, I think oh, this is someone who has who has diverse diverse tastes and diverse interests, and they wanted to make an album where it, it fit together, and it it did to it, at least a pretty good extent. Like fitting like those giant like new methyl guitars, with fitting it next to like some R and B and power pop, and actually making it sound like a coherent song. Um like in uh, like STF uh, F U. Mm. And then she's got like her singing is like almost pearl jammy in that song. But then she switches to like kind of more poppier style of singing later on. Um it like totally works. And then like you have it in the same album as like parad- Paradising mm. or Paradising. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is almost like a, a like a super radio friendly J pop song. Which then also had a sax solo in it. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just couldn't believe what I was listening to, and I really, I like it was over dramatic. It was very hammy, but it was all very deliberate, um, and I thought it was really fun, um, if not in really intense and kind of exhausting to listen to, mm. but I think generally in a good way.
2: Okay. shall me. I jump? Can I jump in? Yeah, go for it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't arguing like on the quality. I think it, for me, it's to say that it seems to know what it wants. Is I, I'm not sure that it does, but maybe maybe you're right. Maybe she wanted it to be totally chaotic. But I mean, I think it sets out the store pretty early. I think the opener Dynasty is is pretty much as dramatic and overblown as you can get. But I'm not necessarily saying that's a bad thing. I think the second song, Excess. Um, I think there's actually something really interesting. About that, that ties into a lot of what we've spoken about recently on the podcast, with you know how we look at pop and whether we can get past certain elements that are too poppy because this track is pure pop, like it it sounds a bit Britney, a bit Christina. But I actually find myself quite enjoying that song. Um and there's no way I would have said that if you look back in the past that I would have talked about Britney and Christina and said I enjoyed it. But I actually I quite enjoy that song, so maybe I've got past some of that pop problem. Um and I think yeah, the next song is a S S, Shut the Fuck Up. You know, that's an, another quite good song, but it sums up everything that makes this album, for me, difficult to love as a whole, because it is totally chaotic. You can't really decide if it's pop, if it's rock, if it's emo, if it's goth. It just switches up a little bit too much for me. So that's kind of my feelings about the album as a whole. It's just a little bit too changeable. Um, Why does it have to go in a box? It doesn't have to go in a box necessarily, but I think... Yeah, Fran, break down the barriers, Fran, come on. Well, it's just like if I'm sat listening to an album and I'm trying to enjoy an album and then one second it's a very sort of light, poppy song and the next second she's screaming at me and then it's a song like Chosen Family which is so, like, saccharine. It's hard to sort of get into totally. Um, So there's some things I enjoy here, uh, but, you know, when we switch from a Britney-style song to an Evanescence-style song to a song that sounds like not quite as good a version of Christine and the Queens. I'm never going to fully get into it, but like, I liked XS. I liked fuck this, fuck this world. Um, but I couldn't really recommend the album as a whole. Um, I think she's an interesting artist though, and I, I can see why she's creating some buzz and I will, I will look at stuff she does in the future, but as a whole, this album was just a bit too messy for me.
0: So I, I'll go in now. I had, um, uh, a unique problem I've never had before, which is, my girl, my wife, my girlfriend, God, my wife
2: refused... <laughs> How long have you been Who's your know, girlfriend? Yeah, What's your nearly, girlfriend's name? Nearly
0: exactly, yeah. <laughs> Same as my wife, let's just be clear. your wife, but I've not met this girlfriend. <laughs> uh, yeah, she uh, hated this album so much that she would refuse to have me play it around when she was around, which <laughs> made it really
2: difficult. And she was really like, what? I've had that loads on this podcast. Yeah, There's I so know. many albums Kirsten's told this me is to first, turn off.
0: It's the first time she was that viscerally uh, in contempt of it, yeah. So, um, okay, so basically, uh, obviously anyone who knows me from this podcast knows that it's not going to be a genre that I'm going to have an easy time with. Um, I I found it very, very clean production throughout, like to polish and shiny to the point where it was a little bit hard to connect with really, even though I could see there was some themes and some depth in what she was talking about in STFU, etc. I am also... Like with pop, not at all a fan of new metal, and uh, mm. it was sounded like that song in particular was with that kind of faux macho ness of new metal. Uh, has always been the thing I, I've really hated, and, and I had a difficult time with that track as well. So, um, again, it, I think it has some things it's trying to get to. Uh, I can't imagine. If, you know, to be honest and say I can't imagine I'd ever go back to it um, because it's not. It's just not a genre I, I can get into really. But I will say there was. Um, Paradising or Paradisin, or whatever, this failed spelling of which is fucking irritating. Mm. Um, had um, shockingly was shockingly facile. I felt like It was really just too too much down that road. Even for even for what is clearly a pop album in many ways, um, it contained my two worst musical tropes in a song, which is a squeaky saxophone solo, which was really really grating, and then secondly a lazy key change like near the end where you just like da 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 you do the same thing again step up one <laughs> up. it's just like come on so um, I, I didn't like that at all really but there, there were bits and bobs that I thought were okay but um, yeah I, I, I can't see me going back to it and I thought the mix of genres and stuff was, was you know sometimes clever but they weren't genres that I was in love with in the first place so that made it more difficult for me so yeah it's like so, seven
2: uh, genres that you don't like in one album basically exactly <laughs> that's what I <I'm> saying <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. so there you go that was, that was a problem for me Anyway, so that's
1: me. Yeah, cool. So, Fran, do you want to take us home with Yoko Ono? <laughs> so, all right, no, we've, we've, on. all been, we've all been
2: putting it off, basically, have we? <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> well, I'm going to run you through my nine stages of Yoko Ono, getting to know the Yoko Ono album. So, stage one, oh, I always assumed Yoko Ono would do pretty shitty folk music, so I got that wrong. Stage two was, what the fuck is this record? Um, Stage three was... Bloody
0: hell, nine stages or something. Yeah,
2: stage three was, oh God, I left the room while I was listening to AOS and the volume was on full, so the neighbours are going to think I'm watching some really fucked up porn. Um, (laughs) Stage four was, what the fuck is this record? Stage five was, you know what though, I'm actually kind of getting into this album. It reminds me a little bit of the Sugar Cubes record we did, only with more screeching and less actual words. So it's actually better than I expected. Um, stage six was you know what I think I actually prefer it to anything by the Beatles. So all the stuff I've heard about Yoko Ono over the year, you know, she's she's better than anything they did. Um, stage seven was I think I quite like Yoko Ono, and then uh, stage eight was but I probably won't listen to it again. And I kind of wish she said some words instead of just yelping. And then the final stage was what the fuck is this record? So <laughs> I don't really know. it's well, really
0: good. I like it.
2: Yes. I don't really know what I thought of this record, but yeah, that's me.
0: Okay. Who's going?
1: Cool. Matt. Matt, sure. Go. Um, I'll go. I'll go. Um, I, some aspects of this I did actually like, but there were other at times I was just like, I just felt bad for suggesting this to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> like the first two songs are just i think that's the the real sticking point is her vocals in them i just i know i i knew she was supposed to be avant-garde i didn't expect a folk album um but that was i just a bit too much um i actually kind of liked the music music behind it and it did feel like a, like a funky jam session um which makes me feel really old for saying. <laughs> yeah,
0: you're going the oldest um, group from that
1: comment. Yeah, um, but then yeah, I like why some of the songs I just <laughs> didn't feel like anything happened. Like why not until the final minute, nothing happened. The last three tracks, I feel like nothing happened in them. They were just really quiet. But I enjoyed Greenfield Morning <laughs> in the middle.
2: So you learnt some names of songs.
1: Yeah, I've wrote wrote them down for once. Mm. Um, And I just, I, yeah, I just, for me, after listening to Fiona Apple's album and Sawyama's album, which were both full of interesting experimentation and pushing the boundaries, I wasn't, I was left thinking, is this what pushing the boundaries looked like then? Or is this just um, her trying to get attention (laughs) with... With John and trying to like use capitalize on the position she was in and do a fuck you to everyone else. I don't know, but yeah, it's not better than the Beatles.
2: I mean, I I, I would rather listen to this than anything by the Beatles, really. Yeah.
1: I mean, at least know- it's
2: doing something. You know, I don't. I, I mean, I've just taken the piss a little bit, but I actually didn't mind this. You know, it was it was all right. It's the the Elping's weird. But lyric, musically it's quite an interesting album. I, I I don't think it's terrible. I really don't. I think it's um, I think there's some good stuff there.
1: Do you know who did the music? No. John and Ringo.
2: Really? Ah. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. I mean,
1: so you like the Beatles?
2: No, because do you know what, I'd rather have yelping and stuff that sounds like really really pornographic screeching than I would have love love me do you know I love you or please please me I mean it's you know the Beatles were never interesting sorry but at least this is kind of interesting
0: it must be Paul He doesn't like in the Beatles then. that's obviously the answer Matt yeah no Paul is Paul is the
2: one that I, I, I struggle with the most yeah definitely
0: yeah. Okay, um, so, uh, well first of all, in a really weird uh, digression, I, I actually managed to sleep through this album once, which I thought was amazing, <laughs> so I, I, I put the playlist on, and I was—I really, will concede I was really, really tired because I had insomnia and stuff, but I, all the same, I, I woke up and it was just on the last bars of the, of the last song, and I was like, <laughs> fucking hell, I, I am, that is some kind of power I've got over this music. But um, What were the dreams like? That they were pretty skittish and nightmarish, yeah. So. <laughs> um, yeah, so, and the terrible news is that I cannot for the life of me find anywhere the YouTube video of her performance at 2014's Glastonbury Festival which I have seen more than once, and, and it's, I don't know who's pulled it down. They've obviously sort of stepped on it and pulled it down, but if anyone can find it, it's the greatest musical performance ever. It's actually been listed as the worst live musical performance ever on about three or four different mm-hmm. sites. I was in the process of trying to find the performance on YouTube. I found this thing, worst performance ever, and it kept coming up at the top of the list. So <laughs> nice. the band, no, not the band. Yoko is a terribly unfunny joke and it's just a total nightmare from start to finish. And and the really sad thing about it is there's actually a band there of musicians. You know, we're talking about whether or not they like The Beatles or not, but those people who played that music can actually play music and are trying to do something of some value. And she is just walking in and just doing a massive fuck you to all of them and all of us as well for forcing (laughs) us to listen to it, you know? So... It's not worth any more attention than that, and I feel like it's, it's a pity that I've given it this much, honestly. It, it, it seems like attention-grabbing is all she has to offer. She's, I was thinking to myself, she's like a 1970s Kardashian, basically. She just has nothing of any substance, of any mm. value or meaning, except what she can grab in the attention of others. So I just thought it was absolutely atrocious, absolutely atrocious. And Still better than The Strokes, though? No. No, 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 no. This, this is, yeah, this is really off the fucking charts. So yeah, not my favourite.
1: Cool. It's
0: Better than the Strokes.
1: I, I would, I would probably agree with Fran, just because <laughs> I was so disappointed with the Strokes. Wow. You people In fact, if I was going to, you know, if, when I was trying to think
2: what I would, what would last for me, because I, you know, we'll probably move on to talk about the playlist slightly, but which would last to me as an old man after Fiona Apple. I might have even said your corona is the next one it might be the next most interesting album after the fiona apple on this list to me personally really yeah but that's wow, not saying a lot like i i didn't like i mean i liked it i liked earth i liked T.O.B. but i didn't like the other albums um i just
1: i compare it to like because this came out in the 70s right and hmm. we listened to we've listened to can and we listened to um the i've forgotten the full name but the one with carpet in it I don't um, know which one that is. Carpet? Uh, carpet rollers or something? I don't know. <laughs> <Fly carpet. laughs> I think I know who you mean, but I think
2: they didn't have carpet. The 13th floor the elevators.
1: The elevators, yeah. Not carpets.
2: carpet. It's <laughs> to do with it. 13th floor elevator carpet. She just added a, I mean, a word to the end of it.
1: I think they were a lot more interesting and experimenting and doing this course cool, like just really really trying to push things in interesting ways yeah and compared to uh, and if that's what the experimentation looked like at that time this doesn't hold up to that
2: how about Matt? Think. because we talked about that in the last episode we talked a bit about the classic which was Neil Young which you said was the worst classic we've done um yeah Neil Young or Yoko Ono um you can't be debating this at length fucking
0: hell
1: I might pick Yoko Ono. Just I, I'd pick Yoko Ono the morning. Also.
2: Yeah, I'd go with Yoko Ono.
0: Just fuck off. <laughs> she doesn't deserve this amount of attention. This is exactly my problem. I don't want to have her, anyone speak about her again. She cannot be spoken of. I mean, she's just a, to be ignored now. Totally disagree. Be ignored. Totally, totally disagree.
1: Totally disagree. Totally disagree. Yeah. yeah. I actually, I, after this, I listened to a couple of her folkier tracks and her duets with John, and some of them are actually quite nice. <laughs> <laughs> they were quite soothing i've got i've got to go playlist. now and get some other people to do a podcast with <laughs> YouTube cool so uh beyond the classic what did you guys think of the playlist
0: i thought it was pretty weak I, I love the fiona apple and there's nothing else i was that excited about at all and there's one obviously that i despised so uh yeah i, I wasn't very really very pleased unfortunately
2: yeah, I, I, I mean, I'd agree with Nick. I'm not agreeing with the one that I despise. It's a different one, but I, yeah, same for me. It wasn't a. actually a really good playlist last time, and actually, what it looks like it's going to be a really good playlist next time. Uh, this was a bit of a, bit of a shit sandwich, really. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, <laughs> I Fiona I, Apple I, was fantastic. So yeah, yeah. I think yeah, this yeah. was medium to strong, just because Fiona Apple was so good, mm-hmm. and I like, uh the Sayama album a lot and like EOB wasn't particularly memorable but it was um, actually quite nice to listen to in these, in, relaxing, like, exactly and these relaxing everything else going there. no I, yeah the EOB nice. was decent the EOB was decent it, it was nice atmospheric passive it meant I could actually turn off for a little bit it was pleasant you
2: know you want to but whenever I had to pleasant. listen to the Strokes album that was like just torturous yeah. for me
1: Yeah, it's just, it felt like pointless, that one, but hey. Well, we'll see what happens next month. Yes. But before we get to that, I'm going to talk a little bit about Jay-Z and the Blueprint. Um, So I've actually written about Jay-Z before uh, for the PQB's website. Um, I think the article's something about rap isn't real music or something. Yes. So I don't want to completely rehash that, um, but that was really focused on Collision Course. Um, and you weren't arguing the rappers um, and real music, I hope. That's not that's not the conclusion well, you're
0: wishing our listeners to draw. So,
1: but so as a teen, I just pretty much listened to indie, and that was it. And I didn't like pop music. I didn't like hip hop. I didn't like anything electronic. Uh, if there was no guitars, I wasn't really interested in it. And I decided it wasn't good music because, in my very educated fourteen-year-old opinion, yeah. that was that was the supreme listening to the strokes and mm. nothing else right? right um and so then i was also obviously i was really into new metal as well and he collaborated with lincoln park who were one of my favorite bands at the time to make Collision course and that actually made me pay attention to um uh, his music really for the first time uh anyone really uh doing any kind of hip-hop type of rap as opposed to just rapping over some overblown guitars <laughs> Um, and actually, watching some of the videos um, that came out alongside Collision Course, um, where you could actually see him working, um, you could see him modifying his flow to fit with these uh, these songs, which were faster and um, had different like uh, points where he had to emphasise, and seeing his like dexterity to be able to do that. Um, made me kind of realize uh this guy's actually got something going on and um, and then once i'd opened that door like every other door fell i think for me once my mind was open to something else and um, i started listening to other hip-hop and then i started listening to electronic music and everything else beyond that Um, So this was obviously... He's a hugely important artist for me for actually becoming a music fan as opposed to just someone who's just into uh, guitars um, and listening to guitars. Um, And I think one of the things that draws me specifically to Jay-Z over some of the other rappers of the time is I think the way he kind of positioned himself. He always was pushing himself and putting so much PR for himself and uh, just as he was kind of ascending, um, stylizing himself as the uh, the best rapper of all time, um, and as I was just turning onto hip hop, I believed them, <laughs> mm. and so now I probably wouldn't consider him to be uh, the best, right? Um, but I do appreciate the fact that he has his own unique style, and he's often a little bit more old school and he's it often has this kind of jazzier feel where he's more like laid back and relaxed with his flow as well he seems to kind of effortlessly um rap over the top of stuff without putting too much effort in where i see some other artists have a completely different style where it's uh more like they can't uh they need to get it out of them almost and it's much more um uh, I don't know a word for it but much more in your like in your face as Mm -hmm. opposed to just like kicking back and and so specifically why I chose this album because I thought this isn't my favourite album by him Um, which I think is what I'm supposed to do that's an
0: interesting choice yeah
1: um, I think this is a really interesting album because it came out in 2001 at the same same time as The Strokes um, within the same week they oh, both really? came out the same week as September 11th. Um, oh, wow. Uh, so they came out a really interesting time in, it, like, uh, world history. Um, and I think uh, it's also the first time um, he worked with Kanye West. And so all the, like, soul samples that you hear kind of... That the centerpieces of the the songs themselves were picked by Kanye and then cleaned up by him, to uh, uh, to make the, to essentially make the songs um, what they are. And it was obviously hugely successful. So um, I think this album is what really catapulted Jay and Kanye onto a new level. It's
2: largely considered and, as his best, right? As well by by the majority of.
1: And so yeah, and that's yeah. the other thing. Like I don't think like this album helped shape the like next 10 to 15 years of music and often is rated as maybe the be- one of the best albums in the 2000s. Mm. Um, and I still don't think it's his best. Um, a lot of people are, uh, think, yeah, his debut's his best, or this one. Um, I actually think the Black album is my favorite, um, which came out a couple years after that. Because, um, I don't know, it has more hits. Mm um this album just generally just it feels kind of clean it feels um very simple um and i think reflecting on it now after i had some like i used this one as an excuse to really dive into it I, I really enjoyed it but i don't think it is actually that standout so <laughs> i'm not going to try and convince you of that um, but I do think it, it demonstrates his uh still demonstrates his skills as a rapper. And there are some absolute like uh like we can talk about takeover. It's still ridiculous. Um uh, it's an absolute uh one of the best diss tracks I've heard. Um, and yeah. he just takes NAS apart. Um um which as in some sense is like Nas was very much on the descent after Ilomatic and not hadn't made that much other Which really makes, good stuff. He makes that
0: point, doesn't he? Repeatedly. Mm.
1: Yeah, and just the, some of the, some of the lines he uses, like uh, like he talks about sampling his voice and then telling him he was using it wrong, and he he made it a hot line, and um, mm. Jay turned it into a hot song, mm. and it's just ah. so brutal. And then just the way he finishes with the fact that Nas was actually his only rival and no one else is even worth making a song about. is yeah, I I love it. I love his bravado um, and his confidence um, that he really carries over into everything else. Um, And the other interesting point, I think, after talking about The Strokes is seeing how much Jay-Z's evolved and Mm -hmm. keeps pushing forward Uh, while the strokes are making the same music 20 years later Um, so yeah that is uh, what I think about this album and Jay um, so it's really not really why I love it
0: anymore it's why why I like quite a bit then really (laughs) wrong category there
1: well well I, 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 I I love him I, love, <laughs> I I, I exercised because
0: I, I did that with the horror songs. I did points of stuff that I thought wasn't as strong as
2: other bits. So yeah, I very, think that's very, you very, know, yeah. that's part, it's it's to demonstrate you someone's off. career. Yeah, I might jump I'm in just, if that's okay, Matt, because I think yeah. some of what you were talking about ties in quite well. To were you going to say something yeah. there
1: though? Um, I was just gonna, yeah, like like I was saying, this isn't my favorite album. I really use this as an excuse to really check my myself and see if I. Um, really didn't think this was one of the best albums of the, the decade. And I don't. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Interesting. Well, I will say I am really, really glad we did this album. And I'm glad I've had some time to spend with, with Jay-Z. Like I, I don't, being a big hip hop fan, I'm not really sure how he's passed me by to the extent that he has, because obviously he's huge, but I've been yeah. meaning to do something about that for a long time. Um, and I'm glad you went with this album because I've heard so much about it. And I've heard it several times and in several different publications, called the best hip-hop album of all time. Um, and it is a good hip-hop album. It's a really good hip-hop album. Like I was really, really into it. Really glad that I spent time listening to it. Um, there's some, so many great tunes. Izzo, Girls, Jigger, Part of the City, Renegade. It's totally clear to me why this guy is so huge. And I yeah. did really, really enjoy this album. But it's interesting that you talked about Takeover because, for me, I don't know if it's just because I haven't spent as much time with... Jay-Z as I have with other artists that he talks about on this album. But I did find myself getting a bit frustrated with his um, his bragging. Um, I thought it was pretty brave to go after Nas and Mobb Deep in a song because, you know, they're two of the best um, of all time. Um, and there's a line on one of the songs where he says, if I'm not as good as Big, I'm the closest one. Um, and I really enjoyed this album, but I do struggle putting him on that level. Um because I think it's something about that flow you talked about, which meant Biggie had that flow, you know, that sort of laid back flow as well and it works sometimes. But for me, sometimes that flow isn't quite as impressive. Um, I think Jay, I I do need to listen to more albums before I can say where Jay sits, but I, I did find some of that a little bit off putting and I'll be honest, he doesn't even have the best verses on this album. Eminem rips him to shreds on Renegade. Um, Eminem's verses on Renegade are incredible. Um, And I think that's really interesting because Nas came back with a song. I don't know if you know about that, but Nas came back with a song after this where he talks about how Eminem ripped into shreds on Renegade. And I've always not really paid that much attention to that because I don't know Jay that well. But listening to it, I mean, Eminem's incredible on that that song. And that's, for me, the best song on the album. Um, But he is amazing. And I'm really glad I spent this time with this album and I will spend more time getting to know him I'm, I'm glad you've said actually that there's another album that you prefer because I'll go to the Black album next I think I was kind of wondering where to go next but yeah. I think he needs a little bit of a talking to about um, you know putting himself as the next best after Big because I'm, I'm not having that um, well, yet I
1: think it was also the timing right yeah. this was when he was uh, really ascending very fast and people were telling him he's just like yeah. Biggie and it's a big part of um, hip isn't it it's a big part from the same literally the same neighborhood um and so that's he was always going to be compared specifically to him Mm -hmm. um and it was as some of the uh, like these other larger rappers were um like losing or their reputation was waning yeah and so he i think by positioning himself as that it was some of it was about convincing everyone else of that yeah i you think know, it was a bit of a refresher
2: wasn't it for hip-hop in, in some ways as well like it was a, like yeah. I say, it's a time when some people are on the way which is it's interesting but it's um yeah i think that's a big part of hip-hop every rapper does it you know but sometimes i think choose your targets like don't go up the mob deep um but <laughs> yeah. but yeah it's 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 still like i say i loved it i think it's on the poppier side of hip-hop for me in some respects um Tracks like Izzo and Girls, you know, they're they're, they're poppy to a degree, but I don't mind that. I I really liked it a lot. Um, But Eminem Eminem has the best verse on it, so there we go.
0: Okay, I'll jump in then. Um, Yeah, so uh, overall, I'm glad you put this on on the list as well, like Fran said. Um, I think other than the Fiona Apple, uh, it's the only other one that I came back to with some sense of enjoyment or looking forward to it. Um, it is unbelievably expensively produced. It's just like an absolute diamond of like production stuff. So, for example, all the samples alone, they bought so much, so expensive samples, yeah. I can't believe they made any money off it after that. Like the doors on TakeOver, they got. I think they've got Jackson 5 in there. They've got loads of huge names. So yeah. it's about, There's a Bowie
2: one on one of the trucks as well. Right, uh, right. Yeah, um,
0: yeah so, uh, you know, that's a a style that uh, that polished nature of it that I I wasn't as much in love with as with some other rappers like say Kendrick or whatever, but um but I, I'm no expert on the genre overall and I did I did think it was it was generally really, really good. Um I think there was some really witty stuff in it as well, uh, like the Right Said Fred reference. I thought was really <laughs> good <on that. laughs> I couldn't believe that was in there. Really, really good. Uh, so he's obviously well, really thought about it and really gone around the houses with, with his referencing and stuff, which I thought was really, really good. Um, yeah, so I, I did enjoy it. I, I don't know that I agree about the Eminem reference, but then that's maybe just my bias against Eminem at the moment. We'll see what happens once we get you to You really need to Eminem. get over that. Eminem
2: is one of the best... I mean, he is one of the best MCs of all time. Like, okay. And his verse on this is incredible yeah but anyway
0: yeah i don't know uh we'll get to that right now so yeah so um i I liked all of it um just about fairly consistently again with a caveat that it was a little bit shiny sometimes for my liking but uh, i will say we've got to talk about girls 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 though surely i mean we've talked about other albums even in recent podcasts where you know like misogynistic shit was sort of spewed out by various musicians and we've now got a song girls 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 and we're not going to lead for that in either of your comments i mean
2: i mean i'm, yeah. I'm looking at it as it being of its time um well, you can't say that about neil young surely that was like 30 but years, it's, ago, he, 40 he years he doesn't ago. sing about, i mean that's worse a man needs a maid is a more offensive song if you ask me personally um i think you've got to look and and this, there's a lot of this talk about with hip-hop and with you know with well, people's situations and Neil Young is, you know, it's, there's no excuse for Neil Young to be making a song like that. Um, whereas, you know, yeah, it's not, it's not great. It doesn't look great on him. I mean, I like the song as a song, but yeah, it's, it's, tr- you know, tr- troubling lyrically to some respects. <laughs> but also, it's kind of, it is of its time. Yeah. That was a lot of, a lot of, of, of music, a lot of, a lot of hip hop was making similar. Sure. Songs and statements. I mean let's the not time, go into a
0: debate about that versus Neil young, but I'm just saying I, I think we can't really ignore that there's some there's a song like that on this album
1: that was problematic for me. Yeah. So yeah, um, it's I think yeah, I agree, it's one of the hardest songs to listen to now. Yeah, yeah.
2: But I think it's for me that is, you know, if you if you, if we look back at Ready to Die when we did Biggie's Ready to Die as the classic, right? Some of the stuff on that is Oh, that was off the fucking charts. Brutal, right? Stuff. But yeah. you yeah, kind of yeah. can see okay those songs are problematic and it it does make it difficult but also it's it is a thing that's in that genre and it's a thing that happens and it's 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 happening less and less over time which is obviously a brilliant thing that it's it's getting better yeah it still happens but it is getting better but I mean it doesn't I think you know how old was Jay-Z when he did this album do you know Matt
1: Oh, I don't, no, his debut was like 98, so yeah. 97, yeah. 96 maybe, I don't know.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to argue, yeah, I'm not sitting here arguing yeah, that yeah, it's not, no, I, so know saying. Saying. I just think it's kind of, um, it doesn't take, totally take away from everything.
0: Yeah, no, no, it doesn't doesn't completely ruin it, it just was a bit of a struggle for me whenever I heard mm. that song,
1: I was like, oh, I really want to see it. it he wasn't part. a young man. Okay, is let's it, put
2: it that way. Is it, Nick, because you wish you had that many girls, girls, girls everywhere? Is that the problem? Actually, no. No, I mean, that's, yeah, that's not the reason. <laughs> what a staggering
0: response to the question. Uh, so yeah, not much else what I want to say about it. Just, uh, you know, overall, I'm glad we got into it. And I, I will actually listen to the Black Album now, which I haven't heard on the basis of what you're saying. Um, and in fact, I'll, I'll say that I'll definitely listen to it because last month you recommended that I listen to Childish Gambino's previous album. And it's yeah. fantastic. I've been going through it so much in the last month. So, you know, you've actually called it on that one. And therefore, I trust you now to have recommended JZL much z So I will give you that well, credit.
1: To give you a warning, the Black Album, I'd say, is a step even into the, the more popular side. Okay. Um, further, it's more like The Takeover. And okay. a lot of the songs that ended up on Collision Course are from the Black Album. Okay. So if you're familiar with Collision Course, I'm you'll not. be familiar with the songs. I'm not familiar I with I'm, with a, I'm familiar with Collision Course.
2: That's my for That was my first Jay experience as well, because I was into I was into yeah. Lincoln Park back in the day as well. So that was my first. Uh, yeah, good, good season. times. Mm. Yeah, very sad. Maybe, to hear maybe we a,
1: we'll do a, maybe we'll do a Lincoln Park as a wire Me and you
2: could you do it. a collaborative Lincoln Park. and yeah, we could think just I do them, just think
0: maybe just in the end time. I don't think I'm gonna be around. I'm gonna be sick that month. I think unfortunately you have to run it on your own. Unfortunately,
2: well, let's no, just right, make right. a playlist entirely of the song in the end, Matt. we'll just put it on twenty three times, and then we'll come and talk about that. I'd love that
0: oh my god yes new metal is is the worst let's
1: um, stand on that it's, note it's do you not, know what it's, it's I can't say it's the worst No,
2: it, it was better than a lot of the crap you listened to in your teenage years you've no yeah. idea you've no
1: idea I actually think it encouraged a lot of men to talk about their emotions as well so what, what do you, you mean
2: like, are you talking about Papa Roach when you say that yeah. all my life into pieces I am your last I, this is my last resort
1: I'm mostly thinking about Linkin Park yeah. but yeah
0: yeah, they have to frame it way. though, really, really, really <laughs> macho in a really, really macho way though. Over really do you know sometimes customised. when we
1: do
2: this, why I love it? I just want to do bands that I know Nick will hate, just to put him through it. Like I'm really at some point I'm going to do Oasis, even though I don't listen to them anymore, but I did love oh, them. Really? Yeah, at some do point you know, I will have to do Oasis because I, I, I adored them. They were like my first big band. I, I now see the problems, but it'd be well. I
0: mean, this this podcast uh, does have a limited shelf life, doesn't it? So obviously that's going to be the end, <laughs> isn't it? So yeah, you're going to kill it yeah, off at that point. Yeah, it? I'll finish the it. Death knell <laughs> All right, that's cool then. Yeah, so there we cool. go. We so go. yeah,
1: we're all done. Uh, so next time, I guess we're gonna be uh, back again with a bunch of new albums. I am uh, bringing to the table "Run the Jewels" with RTJ4 and LA Priest with Gene.
0: And I'll be doing I'll be doing uh, Eve Tumor with uh, Heaven in a to a Tortured Mind, and Medan Medane with Cold Water.
2: Cool. and I'll be uh, hosting so my classic pick is um, Who is Jill Scott by Jill Scott obviously um, and The Why I Love I'm going to do Tracy Chapman and I'm just going to do her um, her self-titled debut album
1: fantastic cool
2: that's great
1: um, if you want to check out our website it's pickybees.com it you is. can check out my super cool article about Jay-Z and Linkin Park
2: you can indeed. Um, you might have to dig around for it's a while back, would not it? You have it have to dig around. Me. There's a search. There, there is a search. search there is a search. Yeah. Um, search new metal. It's probably the only article on there about new metal. <laughs> um, yeah, and then there's obviously the Twitter, which is at at. I nearly said at Twitty Bastards. Then at Picky Bastards. Uh, capital P, <laughs> capital B, and the Facebook, which is at
1: the Picky Bastards. God, I want that Twitter account now. At Twitty Bastards. I'm
2: going to call it. That's mine. <laughs>
1: Okay, cool. Well, we'll okay. see everyone soon. See you, Thank you soon. so much. See ya. Bye.